Did you know that the four personality types date all the way back to 460 BC? A Greek physician by the name of Hippocrates came up with these four personality styles or types to help identify how people behave. Hey guys, I have a great show for you today and I have a special guest and a good friend, Don Lowry. He is the founder of True Colors. We're going to be talking to Don on his journey on founding True Colors and why he decided to really figure out the personality types and make it simple by telling stories. So we're excited to have Don on the show, so let's get to work. You're listening to the Purpose Driven Person Podcast. This podcast is made for leaders unwilling to give up their desires to be purpose-driven. Guys, I made this show for a compass for you to have more purpose in leadership through four concepts, creation, communication, collaboration, and connection in both business and in life. My name is Matthew Leland Cox. I'm the founder of Never Give Up Youth Healing Center, Never Give Up Wellness Center, and Never Give Up Foundation. You can find me at MatthewLelandCox.com. Are you ready? Well, let's do this. All right, welcome to the show, Don. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Uh, this is an exciting interview for me personally. Um, Don, I know we've been, we've known each other for how long now? It's been a while, I think. Oh, I'm, I'm excited too, Matthew. It's been oh, at least three or four years. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I met you, it was at one of the city functionings. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was a city, I can't remember what, you, it was an education thing. You were sitting in the room. We were at City Hall and I was doing a presentation uh, to some people that were invited to learn about what they were doing in the city of Las Vegas. That's right. You know, and I always thought, you know, from meeting you, there are no accidents because I was doing life coaching and helping people. And when I was introduced to what you've done over the years with your work, um, and we're going to get into what you've done over the years, but it, it was kind of a cool entry. It's been a fun friendship over the years, and I'm excited to ask you uh, all about your journey and what you've done over the years. But I want you to kind of introduce the audience, who you are, uh, where you grew up, and, and why we're doing the show today. So where, where did you grow up, Don? Well, I'm a native Californian, believe it or not. Oh, really? I yeah. Okay. My, my grand, my well, dad, I don't know if you know where. Now, but, you know, okay. Back then, you know, that was a long time ago. Yeah, but my I grew dad up, grew up in Inglestead. Is that close by there? Or, or Inglewood? Really where? I'm sorry. Inglewood? Is that close near there? Or? No, I, I, um, I grew up in Hermosa Beach. Started my life, so my sandbox was a beach. Okay. Well, and then a little later, bad. I moved to Pasadena, where I spent uh, all my school years in Pasadena through high school. Now, were you a surfer? They did, not many people surfed when, uh, when I was uh, growing up. We all played other sports. There, there were a few people that were surfing, but not very many. Now, you were, uh, you were a sports guy. You played uh, football and baseball. Is that right? I did. Yeah, which was, what, when was your favorite? Football. Football? What, what, I and what, a baseball player, though. Okay, and what did you play? What was your position? In, in what game? In football. I was a quarterback. Oh, you were? I didn't know. Okay. Wow. Back in those days, it was what they had called the single wing, which is, uh, you know, so I handled the ball on almost every play. So wow. I was a tailback and you know, running back, passer, and even punted. And you did, you, you, and then you went into baseball. What was your favorite position in baseball? Well, they, I, I ended up being a shortstop. A shortstop. Now, that's, a, mm -hmm. that's an actual tough position, isn't it? It's a great place to play. Yes. I love to go in the go in the hole, as they call it, make that long throw to first. Yep, I was going to say, it's always a quick, fast pace right there in the shortstop area. And, you know, it's, it's fun to just learn a little about you, Don. A lot of people that know your work, uh, you know, kind of get to know where you grew up and stuff. Now, you are the founder of a, a temperament theory. Can you tell us what that theory is, and then we'll, we'll kind of chat a little about it more? Well, I'm, I'm not the founder of temperament theory. It not, goes not back temperament, but a system. Yeah, I created a system which I branded as True Colors. Okay. And um, what I, and just to back up uh, to talk a little bit about what uh, occurred to me was that uh, I, 
I met a man by the name of David Kersey, yep. who had authored a book called Please Understand Me. And when I got introduced to, to his model, I got really excited about it and said, everybody on earth should, should know about this. And so I started to figure out how to bring it to the masses. But that's like in the late 1970s, there weren't many people around doing the kind of work I was doing, that's for sure. So you met this guy that a lot of people that are in mental health or in therapy and psychology, they're going to know who he is, correct? I would think so, yeah. yeah. It, he, he wrote a landmark book called Please Understand Me. Okay. And then and David um, became my mentors, and so I spent a lot of time with him. In getting to know his, his, uh, his research with temperament? Yes. And temperament, tell us a little history about temperament theory. Where did it all start huh. and all that? I don't know. A lot of people don't realize it, it started all the way back from hypocrisy, right? Yes. Hypocrisy. And it goes when, back further than that, but I don't recall the names of some of the people in terms yeah. of and they were engaged, but hypocrisy is one of the people, yes. And it went all the way down to a mother and daughter, uh, which was the Meyer Briggs, right? Yes. And, um, you, and and Isabel, Isabel, and they and they created a, a system similar to understand people by using a certain letter system to know your personality style, and why. Right. And as we get into this, and we'll we'll have some fun with this because I I'll share my colors and my personalities as we get going. But the big thing is is why is it important? You know, from Meyer Briggs to Kersley doing his research, why do you think this is important to know this stuff? Well, because it's it's the way we want to be in the world, and it's it's the way we acquire self-esteem or self-respect or self-confidence or worthiness, any way you want to put it. It's the way we want to act in the world, and we want to satisfy these, what I consider these intrinsic differences that are basically inborn traits. And what... What what dri what drove you to really figure out this research with Kersley and start your journey with uh, founding True Colors? What made you go down this road? What was well? The um, let's go back a little bit in terms okay. of my life, and uh, um, I spent my college days at uh, the University of Washington. I, I was on an athletic scholarship, and I was I. Um, uh, studied to become a classroom teacher, or actually a coach and teacher. So when I got out of school, I immediately came back to California and, and got a top coaching job in Southern California in Long Beach uh, with one of the very famous teams even now, Long Beach Poly High School. But after um, three years, I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I had you know, my next door neighbor was an entrepreneur. So I used to, every morning, like a Saturday morning, we wash our cars and he'd talk about all the businesses he created. And I was intrigued by it. So after three years of teaching, I got an opportunity to go out and, and start a publishing company in the, in the education space. And so I founded that company and I um, made it very successful in a very short period of time. And uh, so I was sitting around thinking to myself that I wanted to be, you know, this, uh, founder who had his picture on the wall that people come in, you know, a hundred years from now and say, oh, there's a founder of, of educational systems international, blah, blah, blah. And I was looking at that. And I said, no, that's not really what I want to do. I'm not really happy, uh, in this situation. I mean, I had a fairly large number of employees and I just felt kind of like, I'm not really feeling anything like, you know, any on purpose, as you would say. Mm -hmm. So um, one day, uh, a student from uh, Cal State Northridge came in and uh, interviewed with my sales manager, and they came in my office, introduced me to him, and they started talking about these letters. And it says, well, you're probably an NT, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I, you know, I kind of left it at that. It intrigued me a little bit. But then shortly after that, uh, I had a situation that really set me back. I had a younger brother who, uh, my mother died when uh, 
he was young and, and I was young and she asked me to take care of him. So he's more like a son to me, but he had gotten into a lot of problems, uh, you know, with a lot of drugs were going on back in those days. And uh, he ended up committing suicide. So I would just emotionally just, it just leveled me. Mm-hmm. But I knew I wanted to make it just, you know, it, it just was something that made me see really who I was. And that I really wanted to do something different in life. That this wasn't fulfilling, but I had it felt that I had a purpose. And I felt I had a calling that I wanted to go out and make a difference or, or contribute to the betterment of people's lives. And somehow the the book, or you know, the thing that I received, or the, they called me these letters, temperament theory, I got intrigued enough that I made a contact with David Kiersey, and we just connected right then and there, and that was the beginning of all of this. And then from there, you and David just continued to correspond, and you dove into the research with him, or? Well, what happened, I, mm-hmm. because I had built another company, I felt I was the perfect person to market David. Okay. And he, you know, his book was out and uh, he was gaining some traction in, you know, in newsworthy, he was getting in the news. And I said, geez, I'll, I'll be your marketing director. And he, um, we put him into a couple of seminars and he said to me, he says, I don't want to do that. I, I want to write. And I decided, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this and go out. I'll be, I'll present this. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking all the time, how can I reach the masses? And I, of course, back in those days, we had only three television networks. And there had been a show done called The National Love Sex Marriage Test. And it sold 650,000 books the next day. So I said, that's what, that's, that's just perfect. Because what was going on then, we had a thing called TV Guide. And so everybody got a TV guide, but in the TV guide, it had a, a questions that you would respond to when, over, when the TV was you know, showing this show, you would respond to these questions and how you would react in those different situations. So it was one of the first interactive TV shows. Wow. I said, that's perfect. I'm gonna create, I'm gonna create a show, put it on television, and it's gonna be the national uh, personality test and even went to the producer and he was interested and I also at that time I, I also was had been an actor and so I had some experience as an actor and I knew the entertainment side of things so I started to develop this show with the idea that I'd put it in television and it would be a, it looks it would look a little bit like Saturday Night Live skit comedy in different life situation, so we were writing scripts. I also had a relationship with a fairly famous uh, uh, female uh, movie star at that time. And I said to her, uh, hey, you know, uh, you've, been, you've been with all the, these people when you were in, we had the studio system, if you remember, they were, the actors are all part of a studio, they weren't independent. Yeah. So she was the studio system, so she knew all these all these celebrities. She, she was a friend of Frank Sinatra, and and she even had a show in Vegas. She, she did. So and she would. So anyway, I said, "Let's build a show for for you, and uh, we can you put that on, and we can talk about all these celebrities and all these different personalities." So so from here, the show was starting to become a concept. We fast forward. When was your first live show when you finally said, let's do it? When, when did that take place? Well, we never finished the show with her. You ended up. Uh, and what happened was uh, I actually did an improvisation for about 100 people where I played all these characters and I put together some co- funny costumes and People loved it. And then I got hired to do another show in Atlanta right after that. Where, where was that first time you did that, where you played all the characters? What Was that in California? Yes. Yeah. Near Newport Beach. So after you did that, what was the feeling like? Was it just like you were playing a football game when you hit that first touchdown? Did you find that passion? Because you said 
while you were doing your other company, you weren't fulfilled when you did that first show. Was that like immediately you knew that's what you wanted to do or you just felt it? Well, I knew that I wanted to reach out to people and engage them and connect with them and, and show them and build up their positive attributes, if you wish, and to make them feel good about who they are. And I always felt that was the center of where we all are is, you know, having a good feeling about ourselves. Yep. And so after this first show you did, you got rehired, then it just started taking off. Well, I did, I did that. I did that show in Atlanta and then uh, I said, okay, I'm going to build a big production. And so because I had some connections in the, um, in the theatrical space, I got some actors together and we started to put together a show. And it, my idea was I was gonna, I was gonna try the show out before I tried to take it to television. Mm -hmm. And so I went into one of the biggest professional theaters in Orange County. Oh, wow. Put up a show, I'm sorry? No, that's great. That, so how big was that theater? How many? That was a 500 seat house, which wow. was at that time, you know, pretty decent. They, and um, so I, I came in and I said, this, I'm absolutely out of my mind doing this, you know, it's right away, just coming in and producing a show. And I, I opened the show with the, playing these four characters and I would be in the back of the house. And I remember waiting for my cue from the, the from stage for me to come into the house and I'd come in and go down in the audience and improvise with the audience. And I go around and out and come out and make a quick costume change and come in four times. And I was scared out of my mind. I, <laughs> I, I was thinking, you know, it's nothing worse than a bad actor. Just before the cue came, I said, oh, my God, what am I doing? I'm out of my mind here. But I knew I had to go. But So I started down the aisle and I'm dressed in this orange lame skin tight cowboy outfit with a cowboy hat on with a lightning oh, wow. bolt coming out of my <laughs> out of my my hat. I have boot, you know, these really wild costumes that I had made in Hollywood. And I'm coming down the aisle and a woman jumps up who's in this case a certain kind of personality which we would call orange. And she jumped up and gave me a big hug and the house came went went crazy. <laughs> and from that point on it was just a winner. And we yeah. used to come in and you know I do shows. But what happened on, on off nights in this theater? But what happened one night was uh, we did the show and there's a big audience of uh, teachers and students from one of the local high schools. Oh, fun. And they approached me right after the show and said, we want to bring this into our school. And I said, well, I, you know, I was really reluctant to, to even think about it, but I said, I'll do it if we do a show that's written for, your, for teens. And so uh, they said, okay, we'll help you write the show. So we wrote a show and I produced my first teen show. It was a big hit. And then the kids went home and introduced it to parents and the parents filled up auditoriums that never been filled before in Orange County. Now, now this is the time you, is this the first time when you worked with Wayne Brady or is this after? Well, Wayne was uh, in Orlando, Florida, and I had a director in Orlando that, and she was working with Wayne and when Wayne was a, you know, in high school and they did this show for 30,000 kids with Wayne in it. Wow. And uh, it, they still talk about it according to her and it's been like 30 years from it. So, um, but yeah, Wayne was one of those young actors and you know what a great career Wayne has had from that today. So, but Wayne at this time, he's, he's a teenager or was he in, in acting at that time? Was he a professional actor? He was an actor, but he was a teen actor. actor okay. yes. So that's amazing. You know, I want to pause for a sec because I want to come back to where you're leaving off. But a lot of people don't realize, Don, in your career, you've ran across so many people. You've, you, you knew Wayne when he was just starting out. Um, we were talking before we started the show today. Um, that Tony Robbins came into your office as you got started and you didn't even know who he was. No. How I knew <laughs> tell he tell us a little about uh, that experience because that's, that's crazy. Well, I knew he had done the fire walk, but okay. other than that, I, you know, 
And so one of my guys said, hey, uh, Tony Robbins is going to come into our office this evening and chat and, you know, do a little presentation. I just, I didn't respond to him. And, you know, so I never really got to know Tony. And then, and then you had, uh, you were good friends with Jack Canfield. You guys, you knew him as well or? Yes, Jack and I did a lot together early on, and we were both on stage at the same time in different venues. And then, of course, at one time there was a, the uh, Council for Self-Esteem, and I, he and I were on the board of directors. Wow. So I just wanted to pause for a sec, because in all your journey as we're building up and going through this, so after all these shows, getting it into the high schools... Was this when True Colors was born, or when when did you finally say, "I have some here and and establish True Colors International"? Well, that's when it was. That was when it was born. It was down down in the on that first show, or the, the yes. first. So that first show, you walked in with that cowboy suit, the orange one. That's that was the first show. That was the birth of True Colors, right? That was the birth of True Colors. That is awesome. And now I, I of- now was that nineteen seventy eight. It was about 1980. That was 1980. Okay, 1980. You you finally got it, and you you were petrified. You walked out, and that was the birth of it. And and so from there on, was it just shows? When did all the other stuff come into? You just kept doing shows. Well, the the shows, the purpose of the shows was similar to what the TV show did. Was sold seven six hundred fifty thousand books. Okay. But the purpose of the shows was to create demand for all the other services I wanted to put together. And one of them was workshops. Okay. And so uh, once I started to accumulate an audience, it, because the entertainment piece was, you know, attractive to everybody. So once I had an audience, then I started to provide other services. And one of them was, was a, would be workshops. And, uh, and then books and other, you know, it, things that could be offered to audiences. And if I had gone into TV and obviously that would have really driven a huge amount of consumption. Yeah. The, the TV piece is, is huge. So then you now then started certifications. It, it grew um, and it, it became pretty large as your, I mean, how many people have been affected by true colors or been, been least entertained by it? Would, that, well, I would say to date over 30 million people. Wow. That's amazing. But that's not just all from just me. It's no. there's a lot, whole bunch of other uh, groups that have been, that have, you know, spent, spun off from it or, or respond from it. Yeah. You, in, in creating something like this, you probably have a lot of people that created knockoff versions of true colors. A lot. Yeah. And they, and we call that, uh, regardless of how you do it, um, they are part of the True Color family. They just kind of twisted and took it, and and it's good. I mean, they're in their roundabout way. Those are kind of the posterity of your research. They've went out and helped a lot of people. And so the cool thing about this whole system that you created from that day you walked into that theater in that big orange. I just I'm I'm visualizing it here. That big cowboy suit, orange. Now was the hat humongous, or is it? <laughs> Yeah, it was a big hat with a big <laughs> lightning bolt coming out of the top of it. And total orange, right? Yeah, total orange, a skin skin tight, you know, outfit. That, and uh, then I then I get out, leave the theater in the back outside, and I put on another costume, and I came back dressed as this very conservative IRS type guy. That, and that was uh, your green. No, that was when I was playing the gold characters. Like, gold characters. So. Okay. You know, the guy, I'd come in and start, you know, say, be prepared. That's my motto. If you're always expecting the worst, you're never surprised when things do go wrong because you plan for it. <laughs> now, I've there's had, a... I've only had one job in the last 20 years, and that's with the IRS, very stable <laughs> organization to work for. And, and what was the green character like when you came? Oh, the green you... was, uh, my head is a constant beehive of activity, constantly thinking 24 hours a day. I just can't know what, no, I can't, just can't imagine thinking, I got all these ideas all the time, they just never stop. And I look like Albert Einstein had a, you know, big wig on and what have you. And, and, and I come into the blue character would be the last one. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. This is so wonderful. 
oh, I want to just give everybody a great big hug. Oh, gosh, here, I got some flowers. I, I looked, I was a flower child. Oh, I just love being here today with all you. Just, we got just one of us all bond together. Norris, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> it, 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 I wish I would have been there. That, that would have been fun watching you do all the different characters. Yeah, and now there's been great, there's been some big organizations over the years that have adopted it. Uh, Google being one of them. What other organizations have jumped on True Colors over the well, years? Well, early on, Walt Disney, Walt Disney's that's been right, Walt True Disney for like thirty some years, and uh, Microsoft and some Facebook, uh, you know, uh, Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go on and a lot of major companies, Motorola. Uh, but in the company side, that's some of the big, the big, you know, companies I'm really proud of. Yeah, and you, you, it even hit, uh, it got into the psychiatry um, or psychology uh award uh or got recognized for a system they did is that right yeah in two apa has a um, workplace helmet helm helm mm -hmm. workplace wellness um division if you wish or and in 2016 my work won the my work won the uh a healthy workplace award called color me healthy that, that's awesome so in and how does this help as we're talking about this how would True Colors help, or just your system you created? What was your thoughts there for the workplace? How does it help a workplace knowing your temperament theory or your personality? Well, you can you know you can apply it in leadership, and teamwork, and team building, and and just about any interaction going on with where people gather. But the biggest thing for me, and one of the reasons I created True Colors, is to make significant social change. Mm -hmm. I wanted to change the nature of a culture and I knew I could do it with this tool Yeah. because once everybody feels respected and feels valued in the system, then they want to be there. It's real simple. In education, I produced a cultural change program called Positive Attitudes in Tennessee Schools. In that program, everybody was engaged with True Colors and it, the culture, you know, everybody felt valued. Guess what happened? Achievement goes up. Absenteeism goes down, dropouts go down. You know, it's people now are just getting it called social emotional learning. That really it's the relationship, it's the respect and the trust that needs to be built between people with them to want to be there. It's just real simple. And and the big thing is if we talk about our colors, you know, being in that education space, uh growing up with an intellectual disability, having a hard time in school as a high blue you know, schools, you used to always tell me schools do not fit the orange and blue kid. It's more of a gold and green system, right? Yes, it is. It, yeah. And and I remember going through school. I, I didn't like school because it, it was all of a, it was an emotional. It was get this done, do it this way. And if you don't do it this way, you're not smart. But I remember one teacher did what you said. They approached me in a very, uh, emotional way they always made sure i was okay they checked in with me and mm -hmm. that year i did really well in my grades right i had the same experience when i did well in the classes mostly when the teacher was very much the same personality makeup as there i am i think that's and, what it was for me uh, everybody wants to be understood and then once we feel understood we're willing to engage well let, let's take a minute and just so the audience understands this, because you've this was decades of research and, and energy and, and putting all this to create this. I mean, you you sacrificed a lot to bring this to light. Um, the cards. Let's talk about your creation of the cards. You you if, when did those come about in in all this? Well, what happened was uh, I came into play uh, in the early stages of when David had just published his book and he had a questionnaire in his book, then I was connected to the Myers-Briggs folks. I mean, I, and they have a, you know, forced choice at that time. It took like maybe 20 minutes to take, you know, answer the questions. David's with maybe 10 minutes. And uh, so everybody was doing these forced choice uh, questionnaires. And um, so the first time I, uh, I did a test performance, I had, 
I had built a uh, little questionnaire. So actually, I stopped the show, and the people with their head down would answer questions to, to, to identify their, their personality makeup. So I said to myself, wait a minute, <clears throat> that's not going to work. I need to have a performance, and I got to run the show. So I started trying to figure out how to, how to uh, engage my audience immediately. And what I, um, and I, I, I really believe that people knew who they were if I gave them something to look at that showed a dichotomy of the different personalities. So I started playing around with, said, okay, there's cultural images that are universal to us. There's things that we identify with. If you look at somebody, you know, like the thinker is, is a green kind of a symbol, image. Blues, rainbows, or, you know, the cart and different. So I said, all right. Let me, if I can come up with something that would show the dichotomies of all these differences, then I think people will get it. And one day I'm sitting in a meeting with, and we were working on, I think, at some slides for the show, and somebody mentioned game and immediately thought cards. And so what I did then, I created four cards. And, uh, and then when for the show, I, I created a playbill as a, you know, similar to a playbill with the four cards in it. So the show would open, I mean, the opening of the show, or even before the show would open, people would already be talking about who they were in the playbill, but it worked. And it was very accurate and people got it. And so uh, the next show I did, I, you know, we had to, we had that playbill, and ever since then, it's been the foundation for True Colors of those four cards. And and so, you know, and that's you. We were talking about that the other day. Is those cards are probably the quickest way of knowing your colors. I mean, after you develop these, uh, you, somebody can look at those cards and really immediately, pretty accurately guess what they are, right? Absolutely. And I, I use I use them all the time. I, I mean, I love them. Um, I use them in my work. And let's talk about that because I, I think the biggest thing people probably just want to hear how does this how did these colors work? And you came up with the colors. I think you had when you developed the colors. There was another color, and then you changed it to gold. Right, right. You had blue, yes, orange, green, and brown at one time. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And then you changed. what I was what what I did was I started looking at colors, psychology and colors, and started thinking, okay, the core values of each of these personalities, what, what color would symbolize that, that color? So one of the personality types is, is orange, is what we call orange. And that's a person that's very here and now, acts on the moment's notice, wants to do things and very, very flexible, you know, what, what can we do immediate, very hands-on. And so I said, okay, what color could I use to symbolize that personality? Well, red would, I thought was pushing it because it's, it's you know, it symbolizes violence in some case. And then orange was, I thought a more warmer, you know, positive color. So I chose orange. The other, when you talk about, then we go into another personality and which ultimately became gold, you know, good as gold or solid gold. And that personality is a real stable, down-to-earth person that, you know, would be symbolized the color gold or in the gold standard. And they want everything structured and they're very much, you know, uh, plan ahead. They're very, very good at, you know, stabilizing situations, very good at handling money and, you know, budgeting and things like that. So they naturally affiliate with careers that are going to, you know, be in that where they can behave that way. Then uh, the other one was blue, which as you've acknowledged, you're blue. Mm -hmm. And you might be able to say more about that, but <clears throat> I thought, okay, the, it's a very satisfying, soft color. It's something you know that, that people and the softness of a blue person and the, the genuineness of them and this authenticity and a, the, so the blue is very you know, kind of feeling to me. The hard one was green, but because then I said, okay, green people are very concerned about the environment. They're very much uh, about growth. 
it, it all people are, but uh, you know, so I said, okay, I'm going to use green for this personality, which I am. And I'm, you know, green. So I'm a, I'm an intellectual analytical type of person. And I, um, I'm very global in the way I think. And, uh, you know, kind of a, would be the kind of people we see a lot in tech today, you know, like the Google population or the, you, you'll, you know, there are a lot of those green folks in that group. So my color spectrum then is green, orange, blue, and gold in that order. And they all play a role in, in my, who I am. So my green is, okay, come up with, invent something. I'm orange, so okay, let's do it right now. Once I invent it, we don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm ready mm -hmm. to do it. I know it's going to work. Then I'm blue after that, so I have a little bit, of, you know, a little blind in that area. And I, you know, I'm aware of the blue knees, but I tend to miss some of those cues. And then I'm last. I'm gold, so I, I don't like to be in a in a very highly structured environment like we talked about being in school. I almost dropped out of high school. So it was a, too much structure for me. So that's those are my that's my color spectrum. How about you? Well, you know, I love it because in a in a green setting, I have a business partner that's highly green. And when you're talking about yeah, like I, I'm visualizing him. Um, in in me being high blue, you know, blues, we want to talk about our feelings. We want to connect to you. And you know, me and you, when we talk on the phone, I it's really good because you're processing those things why I'm thinking of the emotional stability as well. Like, Hey, this is how we can connect with people. Um, so, you know, I love this because knowing my colors and knowing yours and, and really applying this in, in my own life, it's helped me huge. Like in, in my marriage, it's helped me cause I know my wife is a high gold. So, you know, as an emotional blue, when a gold approaches a blue, <laughs> it usually is not sensitive touchy feely right right uh, golds will come in there i always use the terminology like a, a bull in a china shop right um they'll say hey because golds are let's get this done why why should i sugarcoat it right and and so it's kind of fun to know these colors and don i'm just to watch what you've brought out of it and i love like when you when you've um i i mean there's one fun uh joke I always love when it when you're doing the skits it's from the green personality and the blue interacting do you remember that one where the I do. what is it again you're talking about in the bathroom yes yeah that one. well the, the way it goes is a uh, the blue person it, in in this case it's a green male and a blue female okay and so um, the green the green guys in the bathroom you know uh, kind of looking at himself shaving and stuff and uh the blue comes in she says you know uh, uh where'd you put the mouthwash he says i don't know he says i don't know just i probably misplaced it somewhere why don't you use use the mouthwash she says i don't want to use a mouthwash you know i want to you know why don't you think about my feelings she says what do you mean about your feelings and she says well you know you never tell me you love me anymore and he turns around and the green guy says, well, let me think about that. Well, listen, we, I told you I loved you when we got married. And if things change, I'll let you know. I, I just, it's, is it true? How did you come up with that? Because it, it, I crack up every time I hear it. It was from my own personal experience. Okay. <laughs> with <laughs> one of them, you know, I remember that I used a lot of my personal experiences. So I had a relationship at that time with a, a blue person and uh, not, you know, not that I wouldn't share that I cared, but it, certainly not enough for her. Yeah. So and that up to that. Why do greens do that? Like what is, what's going on in a green person's head? <laughs> you know, I think, I think for me, I can only talk for me, but yeah. to, to me, it's, um, I'm really, my, I, I'm really in, in my head a lot. And so I'm not really sensitive. I'm, I think greens miss a lot of cues from other people in terms of what they need naturally, because we're, you know, I'm, I'm, we're kind of get a lot of joy out of work yep. and, and uh, thinking about things and having intellectual conversations and dealing with ideas and systems and things. 
so I think it's just a it's it's a lack of awareness of the the emotional needs of somebody else so and, go ahead yeah, so on that that cue in in these colors, these four areas that you came up with were all these colors. So if a green is in that way, do you have to heighten your blue to kind of kind of sense those cues? Do you have to kind of what what's your thoughts on that? Because that's yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I missed a lot of cues. I mean, uh, I know you know for my wife, mm -hmm. for her it was like. You know, she wanted to have a, a lot of a kind of a special romantic time. And I thought I was romantic, but I wasn't as romantic as I could be. And so, you know, that led to some conflict with us. So that would become in, in these areas of colors, a lot of the spouses or couples or individuals would need to sit down and talk about their values, their needs, because you do that within the system. You, you, you have people explore um in the workshop you created you have the people explore their values their stress or their needs absolutely mm -hmm. and the, the what i felt was that if people are really this way uh they were different these different personalities we didn't really have to tell them who they were they would tell us and it turned out so that the experience the true colors experience was very interactive and people were participating because they were who they were. And it was always interesting, just a side comment, that when I, I would look at, and you may have had this experience too, Matthew, but I look at an audience, mm -hmm. and when you look at them, uh, at first, you don't see their colors. No. But as you start engaging them and they start interacting, all of a sudden you see the colors. It's an amazing phenomenon to watch, to see people when they're, and what I try, wanted to create in the beginning was to really, really celebrate who they are. Yep. And so the very beginning of any kind of experience with True Colors in terms of, you know, whether where they're in a, uh, you know, in a group is to engage each other and have a conversation about who they are. And to me, that's very positive self-talk. Because some people never, ever had a conversation about who they are. They've never verbalized it. Yep. And until they verbalize it, they start and it starts becoming intrinsic to them. You know, it starts to become part of who they are. And then they can express it to somebody else. Because we don't have many much language to talk about who we are. No. And Another thing about the use of the colors, what the colors what the colors do is it transcends your social role. Yes. Because you start talking in a new language and you're talking and the color is a positive aspect of yourself. So every time you talk in colors, no matter where, it's a positive kind of conversation about who you are. Yeah, I think it's fun when I run into people that I've trained or uh, been a part of their group. They're, they remember, it could be two years later, they're like, hey, you're the color guy. <laughs> and I'll go, right. I remember you, you're blue. And they're like, you remember? Um, because it, it's 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 a connection that occurs with, like you said and I love this Don after coaching couples for so many years uh, I agree with you a lot of them don't have that conversation on who they are and and they don't a lot of couples won't accept each other for who they are and that's what the colors does it, it, yeah they can't have the conversation because if, if you really think about it they may never articulate it to the depth of their core values. So how right. can they talk about it when they don't have a vocabulary to talk about it with? It, it's and helped. You know, I'll, I'll just go ahead. No, what all I'm saying is that this gives them a tool to have a conversation and it's in a context that we, if we establish the right context, it's non-threatening. Yeah. Uh, even when it gets heated, I know when sometimes I'll, I'll be a little over emotional and, as I'm having this conversation with my wife, I'll, I'll verbalize. I'll say, I'm being really blue right now. And I'm a little highly emotional in, in that area. I need to take a break and I'll come back and we can chat a little bit more. And then I need to come back and heighten another color. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and sometimes if I'm going out of one color too much, it can make that whole conversation go south because it could be over... <laughs> She told right. me to put the dish in the sink and I, I was in an emotional state that I didn't, I didn't express. Does that make sense? Yes. And 
<clears throat> and I and I, and it's really fun because if couples think about this in colors, is that where you were going with this, Don? When you created this, you wanted people to think in colors and in community, so it just was an easy way to see it. Well, I wanted to I wanted to uh, get down into their core, who they are, okay, and who they are, and and what really makes them tick. You know, what are they passionate about? What are they, what's their purpose in life? And so I wanted to, I'm still wanted to affect large populations of people. If I could engage an entire community, that's what I was up to. And so I would even, I would have applications in virtually every, every, everywhere in the community, in every world, in the business schools, in the family, and you know engage people and across the whole sector so that that i felt once they started to engage each other in a positive way that that would it would transform that community and a lot of the social ills would disappear yep and it does just that it's amazing to watch it from teenagers to adults it's just fun to watch the barriers i, I can't tell you how many times in a workshop don that you just watch at the beginning, you can see them kind of defensive and then just, it just melts away. Right. And everybody starts having fun. And my favorite is when we do the skits at the end, <laughs> to ha having them all come together and to watch a group of educators be like little kids. That is the funnest thing to watch. I'm going to tell Isn't you. It? Oh no, yeah. No. Cause their inner child comes out. They can let down those walls. Cause a lot of times we forget how to play. Right. Absolutely. And Donna, you know, we're, we're talking about a lot of this and it's, it's a lot. I mean, you've done so much over the last few decades with this. Um, I wanted to kind of just ask you what with, how can colors help some of the families and people that are struggling at home right now? We've been talking about this for a few days now. How could colors help the couples at home? Cause we're not hardwired to stay home. Like we have been with this crisis going on. Well, as we know, people are different or people have different experiences being at home, of course, and uh, depending on their makeup and how they engage. But obviously, we've, we've made a big move into changing the dynamics that go on in, in our relationship. We're creatures of habit, right? We're used to going to work. We're used to having our kids in school. We're used to these things. And suddenly, we're thrust into a, into a situation where we have to learn how to re-engage or even re learn how to engage each other because we have already social roles that we're, we're playing with each other. And so it, it, I've seen this happen where you engage a family and you, you, everybody begins to get a deeper understanding of each other's needs. And obviously they can function better uh, in the family. I mean, obviously the, I'm just, the, the, Let's say you have a, an orange child. Mm -hmm. Well, that child is used to being active and very, you know, wants to be active. And they're, you're going to have a messy room. And maybe mom, you know, would pick up son's room when he was in school or something. But suddenly the son's there all the time, right? And he's got, he, he, he doesn't care yep. whether it's messy all the time. So here comes the mom and to start getting really stressed out over, not only stressed over the circumstances we're all dealing with as a society, but the relationship starts to get stressed because of the because of the uh, differences that we have in our families. So if once we if we could work with those families during, we could really make a big difference in helping people have much more satisfying experiences. And not only that, you know, this is a time when people are really top of mind. As you you brought this up, and you've been interviewed recently about the mental health issues mm -hmm. and the kind of stress that's being put on a lot of people with this situation. And I think we can alleviate that if we were able to engage them and get, you know, because relationships are really top of mind right now. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting thing when you put two people in a confined space, you're going to see a lot of things come out. Right. Um, Cause we do, we naturally don't spend that time like you were saying, and kids don't know the difference. Kids just love to have time with their families and parents. Right. And so it's, it's a very innocent thing. So when they see us as adults struggle, and I, I agree with you, as we use these interpersonal communication skills, and uh, you're going to have a lot of things. I mean, uh, right now, things are rising to the top. But I, 
I just feel this, this system that you created can really help families in this time. And I appreciate that. Any advice you want to leave to the listeners? And I would love to have you come back at several times on the show, Don, but any advice you want to leave with them? Well, we're in, you know, obviously we're in a period of time right now where everything's disrupted. And I think we have to be kind to ourselves and uh, realize, you know, that I think the more awareness we can have of what our un- unique needs are and, uh, and you know, that these differences are, are good. They're not bad. <laughs> There's things that they're just, this is part of our, who we are. And um, that if we can just soften things up and realize that we're all under a certain amount of pressure, it would be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And I appreciate you. And Don, and I want to just tell you, thank you for all the hard work you've done to create this system and creating the temperament system that you did off Kersley's and all the time you put into it. It's, it's been a benefit, not only for me personally, but all the people I've, I've worked with. And so if nobody's ever thanked you, I just appreciate the sacrifice that you've given to, to history. Because this is a, a huge thing. You're you've done a lot of work and, and we appreciate the sacrifice. And, um, and if you want to follow Don now, how can they follow you? Are you on LinkedIn and Facebook? Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I have a fan page, but I haven't used it in a long time. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, you prefer LinkedIn. If, if they search you, they can find you on LinkedIn then under Don Lowry. Um, yes. Okay. Perfect. Don Lowry founder, true colors. Oh, perfect. So, and, it says founder True Colors, um, True Colors Studios, and uh, Don Lowry Publishing. Perfect. Yeah. Go there, check it out. Get you know, link or connect with Don on on LinkedIn. If you have any questions, he's a fountain of knowledge. He can answer those for you. And Don, I just appreciate you being on the show today, and um, truly purpose driven. I appreciate everything you've done. Hope to have you back again. Is that is that good? If we have you come back. Absolutely. And I appreciate you inviting me, Matthew. It's been really great to experience it. Awesome. Thanks, Don. And if you need anything, yep. And go over to, remember to go over to iTunes and like this show, give us a five star and make sure that you touch the feed. You got to hit that button so that when we have new shows, it'll remind you within your feed. It is also on Spotify and many other platforms. So we're excited to have that out there and we appreciate it. And again, always remember, take care of those around you and don't give up. Take care, guys. Hey, guys, thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Person podcast. Something I said today resonated with you. Head over to my website. I would love to give you a free gift to download, but you can also email me at purposedrivenperson at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And remember, guys, always continue to push your dreams and never give up. I'll see you next time. Take care.